0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Guys, I'm incredibly grateful for you all. And uh, I I do want to just comment and say I'm grateful for how you guys have continued to support the ministry here Uh, in light of pastoral transition and in light of COVID, right, and And government things and political uproar and stuff. I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for how you guys spend time and sacrifice things to make sure things like Sunday morning can happen, but not just that, like ministry can be done throughout the week as well. So I'm thankful for our worship team who does so much to make sure that we're built up and encouraged. I'm thankful for even the people who are going to be staying here after service. I think the Dodds are going to be here after service helping set up Decorations for Christmas, like it's as big as a worship and as small as putting some stuff out. And I'm just incredibly grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for the leaders here, I'm grateful for the leaders who invest so much time in counseling me and walking me through things for how to think rightly about our church and how to think rightly about ministry and and and, and what things we can be doing to uh, make disciples, right? So I'm just incredibly grateful this morning. If you could, I'd love you to be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter eight. This is gonna be the the last Sunday uh, for right now that we're gonna be in this letter, be in this part of Romans. It's also the last part of our sermon series called Love. And the reason why, if I can refresh our memories, the reason why we've been in this series on love for the last three weeks is because when we were looking at God's glory and necessarily even the existence of, uh, of how, uh, basically the being of of God, right? How he's Trinitarian. He's one God in three persons. And we saw that in that, primarily is loving relationship and it's it's the loving relationship of God the Father, Son and the Spirit that we're invited into experience in the invitation of the gospel. By belief in Jesus we get to be welcomed into that kind of relationship into that kind of love. And so we haven't been talking about how to love our neighbors in this. We've really just been sitting under the waterfall of what it feels like and what it, what, it, what we can know about God's love for us. And that's why we've been in this because this is at the heart of who God is. And we've taken this passage that we've pretty much, like the best passage that's ever been penned in all of history. And we've kind of summed it up into a single easy statement, which is this, that in Christ, God loves you. He is for you and nothing in the universe can change that. Can you personalize that and say that with me? In Christ, God loves me. He is for me. And nothing in the universe can change that. Guys, this is, this is, we're dancing on gospel gold right here. Are we not? There's, no, there's nothing better, like no better news that we could actually see. That's what gospel means. It means good news. This is the best news that we could ever receive, right? By simply placing all of our confidence and all of our trust all of our ability to stand before God, not in ourselves, but in Jesus alone, we become the recipients of this incredible love that you and I can never actually fully experience here horizontally, but we could only find in the person of God himself. And this kind of love is what we get to experience for the rest of eternity, and it's unshakable and it cannot be broken. This is what we get invited to. And one of the things that we experience whenever we say, We are loved. One of the questions that we're we're most often asking is, is that love safe? Right? Is that love safe? That's one of the first things, as a father, I'm learning that that's one of the first questions that my kids are always asking. Am I safe? They come out of the womb thinking, am I safe? They want to know, am I going to be fed? Am I going to be warmed? Am I going to be held? Am I going to be safe in my bedroom at night because my dad's staying in the room with me until I fall asleep? Am I going to be rocked to sleep at night when I'm scared? Am I safe? Now I'm assuming that we as adults aren't asking same questions where we're like, is somebody going to rock me to sleep tonight or is somebody going to stay in my room until I fall asleep? But I do think that we are asking the same question, am I still safe? Now more than ever, right? Guys, we've got a pandemic still happening in 2020 and things don't look like they're changing anytime soon. In fact, it's getting worse. And so a lot of us are staying home, bunkering down, wondering, am I safe? Am I safe right now? So therefore, when we hear that God's love for us is so unchangeable that nothing in the universe could influence it. Nothing could alter it. Nothing could take it away. I believe that that news dissolves the most extreme fears that we have. It it dissolves every fear that comes whenever we ask the question, am I safe? Guys, we are safe in God's love. But I do have to tell you sometimes that, that God's love isn't safe itself and you're going to see what I mean by going through the text today. But when I say that God's love is safe, that nothing in the universe can change that, this is making a specifically exclusive claim about God's love. Right? This isn't such, is such an important claim because every form of earthly love that you and I will ever experience, no matter the source or the definition Every, every form of love will end. Can you let that sink in for a minute? Every kind of love, well, there we go, on a horizontal scope, every kind of love will end. No matter the source where it's coming from or what kind of love we're defining it as, it will end. As sometimes marriages end in divorce, right? The things that you you, you covenanted to your spouse for years, will end or or, or friends may betray other friends or children children may rebel rebel and just totally reject you. But even even those relationships, right? Even those relationships that maintain love their entire lifetime, at some point they will be separated by death. Every form of love that we experience on the horizontal plane of life will come to an end. So to say that nothing can stop stop God's love is is uniquely a divine claim. and And it's totally contrary to everything that we experience on this level. So Paul, in the text, if you can recall what we just talked through in the last sermon last week, Paul basically just proved to us that there's nothing within us that could ever change God's mind and his love for us. Remember he said, who can bring any charge? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? What was his answer? No, it's God who justifies, not us. We don't have to justify ourselves. We can't justify ourselves. We're not strong enough or capable enough or good enough to justify ourselves. God is the one who justifies us. So if the judge is the one who says justified, declared fully righteous, then who could overturn that? He says, he goes on to say, who can condemn? Christ Jesus who died in a place, more than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is indeed using that authority in that position to intercede on our behalf. So in other words, there is nothing within you and me, nothing within ourselves or nothing that I do could ever change God's mind in his love for us. But this question... The question that we're asking this morning isn't just simply, is there anything within me that could change God's love for me? Paul redirects our eyes. Our gaze is no longer in the courtroom of heaven. We're looking out into the world around us. We're looking out into the universe, every inch of the universe. And we're asking, can anything outside of us cut us off from God's love? If there's nothing within me that could cut me off from God's love, what about something out in the universe around me? Is there a force around us that could ever cut off God's love for us? Well, let's dive into our text and see. Romans chapter eight, verse 35 through 39. We're just gonna pick it up in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are are regarded like sheep to be slaughtered. No! No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen, church? Amen. Nothing can separate. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning. Every Sunday so far in this series, we've broken down the sermon into two sections. And this morning, we're doing the same thing. We've got the divine security and the divine triumph. So let's start off with the divine security. My remote's not working. There it is. Hey, the divine security. So in verse 35, Paul poses a fifth question. He's just, he's, just, he's, he's like playing that a hundred questions here. And I don't know if you like the game. I like this game. I like the questions that he's posing. He poses a fifth question, and it's the ultimate question. Who can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? Now if, now, if you write in your Bibles, I would recommend that you circle the word separate every time you see it in these verses. Verse 35, and it's also down in verse 39. It's, a, it's an interesting word. The reason why I think it's interesting is because this word separate is most often used in scripture for the word divorce. two who have been united in such covenantal love, self-sacrificing love, separate and pull apart. And cut off their love from one another. This is what separate is picturing. Paul's asking the question pertaining to God's love for us. What can separate us from God's love? What can can pull us apart? apart? What can can cut cut it off and end the the relationship of love? What can block block it? Paul answers his own question by asking asking more questions. More questions, 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 huh? What he does does next is he lists seven massive massive forces in in the universe. He's looking looking out into the world around us. He's saying, hey, here's seven things that you might think could cut us off from God's love. Seven forces, seven experiences that if we're experiencing them now could be indicators that God's love has been cut off for us. Seven things, right? What's the first thing he says? He says, tribulation." Can tribulation tribulation cut us off from God's love? Tribulation. The idea behind this word is like like hard pressed -pressed affliction. So much pressure weighing down on us. that may come upon us. us. Guys, this can be anything from a financial crisis to a loss of a job to something absolutely tragic happening to a child. This can be all sorts of things. Is there any tribulation in life, any affliction? out there there in the universe that we could experience that would indicate to us, nope, we've lost God's love. We've been cut off. Any tribulation, Paul poses that question. Or what about about distress? distress? That's the next thing he lists, distress. Guys, guys, here's the interesting, the, the, the original word here for distress means a narrow place. It means a narrow place that you've been tucked into and you feel like there's no way out. You're pinned in so deep. You don't, you don't see, see any way of escape. Guys, I'm, guys I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of us have felt that before. Those, Those tuning in on the live stream, the live stream probably you're probably home, probably right there right now. I've, I've, I've experienced it too, guys. I've, I experienced this kind of distress when I was, I was in elementary school. school. I, was, I was picked on in some ways by people that I loved. That was, that was normal kid, kid banter, right? But I took it too personally. And I got to such a a distressed place, place, I got to things to where things things seemed so narrow narrow and I couldn't see any escape that I I I I started contemplating ending my life because I thought that was was the only way out in In elementary school. school. Imagine Imagine how much more now if I didn't know God's love. I didn't know God's love the way I do now then. But we've we've been in in distress. distress. And, does, and that does that narrow place, place that does that show us, us, is that an indicator, indicator that God's love has been cut off? cut off? He said, no more. Does that, does that, what, does that what distress mean? means? Is that what, is that what it shows? Or what about, or what about here's even harder one, persecution. What about what persecution? About what persecution? About like literally, when you, when you are attacked for your faith, for your faith. I mean, those, I mean, those who, who persecute us do so with the goal of cutting us off from God. Do they not? not? Their goal goal is to separate separate us from God, God, whether that's by denying faith in him or or our faith in Christ. Christ. So can that that kind of persecution, is that a sign that that God said, nope, I'm done with you, no more more love? love. Here's an an even harder one, famine. Famine. And when I say say famine, famine, famine. I'm not talking like there's nothing in the crop fields fields out there. We can't say, I drive by cornfields on the way home and they've been luscious all year. So we're not necessarily in a famine right now, but let's say in your own home, your own family, you can't can't provide food for your own family. Your kids are going hungry. Is a lack of food
1: or a lack of water any
0: indication that you've been separated from Christ's love? Now pair that with the next one, and this is just super crazy, nakedness. Oh, we're talking about nakedness in church. No clothes for your back, no shelter from the elements. If we're if we're homelessness, if if, if 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 we don't have any place to hide ourselves, we don't have any any way to clothe ourselves and cover us up. Couple that with food and water, are those things that we've signs that we've lost God's love? Now you should be thinking, wait, 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 wait. Didn't Jesus say that if, like, he, he said that He promised those things if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the rest of these things will be added to us—food, shelter. Like, what? How is this? A, so obviously, if Jesus said that. Then of, course, then, of course, if we're experiencing famine, if we're experiencing nakedness, then, of course, we're not going to be recipients of God's love, right? He's just, he's just totally abandoned God. us because he's gone back on his promise. Is that Is what this means? Absolutely not. But he doesn't, but he doesn't stop. stop. He says, what about danger? danger? Danger, danger. Do life's risky situations where great where loss can come, like in a pandemic. Like in a pandemic. Is, that is that an indication that we've been cut off from God's love? Is the a worldwide, worldwide epidemic of coronavirus, coronavirus COVID-19, COVID-19, is that is an indication God's that God's done with the world? With the world? But he, said, but he said, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not loving this anymore. Here's an even, here's an even hard. harder one, sword. sword. When, somebody when somebody takes your life, does that does mean that mean God's, God's, God's love has God. been cut off from you? When someone, when someone kills you, you have they also, they also taken God's love away from you as well? Guys, that's a, that's, a, that's a crazy list. And Paul's, and Paul's asking, can any of these things say, oh, nope, God, you can't love this person anymore. Do these things show us that God says, oh, I don't love you anymore. Can any of these things cut us off from God's love? Now, we know the answer. We know the answer. But Paul, but Paul doesn't, doesn't go right to, to it. He does, he does something that I think call I call it a squirrel, squirrel moment. moment. Like, he's like, ugh. <laughs> distracted. He's distracted. Is that really is that he's not really distracted. distracted. I'm just being sarcastic here. Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't give us the answer yet. He does something. something. He quotes he an Old Testament, Testament passage that seems, that seems really out of place at first reading, reading, doesn't it? Seems super weird. random. Look at, look, at look at verse 36. 36. As, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We, we are regarded as sheep to be sheep slaughtered. To be slaughtered. Now, I now, I remember when I first read this like years ago, and I read, I read it through it and I was that, like, that's, that, that, that seems that out of place because that's no fun. fun. I, don't I don't want to be a sheep be to be slaughtered. I don't want to be killed all day long. This doesn't, this doesn't sound gospel. like gospel. That's not that's good news. That don't make my heart jump with joy. Did Paul pull a squirrel here? No. No, actually, if you put put this single quote in the context context of where it comes from, you'll understand exactly what Paul is arguing here. I'll put it up on the screen for you guys. Psalm chapter 44 is where it comes from. And let's start off in verse 17. All this has come upon us. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the people of Israel talking to God. All this has come upon us. Though we have not forgotten you and we have not been false to your covenant, our heart has not turned back nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten your, forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows knows the secrets of the heart. heart. So pause here. Doesn't Doesn't it sound like this is a bunch of innocent innocent. people? That's That's what's being established established here. These are innocent, God-fearing, covenant-following people who have have not committed idolatry. idolatry. They are are pursuing pursuing the one true God, God, Yahweh. Innocence is established here. And then look where it goes. Yet Yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So what Paul is proving by quoting this text from the Old Testament is that it is absolutely normal for believers who love God and believe in Jesus to experience these things. It's normal. That don't make you feel good in here, does it? That's exactly what Paul's proving here. It's normal for us to experience this, even as recipients and beneficiaries of God's love. This is is radically important for us to understand here. That Paul's saying it's normal for believers who are loved by God to experience this. It's, It's so important because there is a group of people out there in the universe who would believe and who preach and tell you that god's love separates you from these things they'll tell you that and when you do start to experience some of these things they'll say hey you just don't have enough faith do you hear the difference
1: does god's love separate
0: us from these things or does do these things separate us from god's love Those are two two massively different questions. questions. There's a massive massive difference there. They will will preach preach to you that if you're you're experiencing experiencing tribulation, distress, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, if you're you're suffering suffering in any way, then you don't have enough faith and God is judging you for your little faith, which is not the gospel. Didn't Jesus calm the storm and then say, hey, you guys had little faith. Jesus still calms the storm when we have no faith at all. So this, so this sort of unjust suffering, unjust suffering for the people of God, God, it happened in the Old Testament multiple, multiple times, times, and Testament. times. And it also happened in the New Testament. You guys, you guys want a good example? Look at Paul himself. At Paul himself. This, this dude went through, went through all seven of these. Right, right. And he, came and he came out, out, out the side other and side and knowing he was loved by, by God. Nothing, Nothing changed. changed it. Right? right? He, experienced he experienced all seven, seven of these and, and he was still a beneficiary of God's love. I mean, before before even answering the question, question, can these these things separate separate us from God's love? Paul Paul is getting us all on the same playing field. Saying, hey, we're we're all on this. We're all going going to experience these things together. together. They're commonplace commonplace for the believer. I mean, didn't didn't Jesus himself say that that we're to expect these things? He said, in this world, you will have tribulation." tribulation. Well, that's that's number number one in this this world. world, You're going to experience number one, tribulation. Tribulation. But take heart. heart. I I have overcome the world, world. right? Right? Jesus Jesus promises promises us that there will be people who are are going to try to kill kill us as Christians and think that they're doing God a favor. Persecution number three. So Jesus, so Jesus said, hey, you're going to experience number three, too, especially if you love me. Especially the harder you live for me, the more dangerous it's going to get for you. Right? Because we may have seasons in our lives where we don't have food to put on the table, where we don't have clothes to cover our backs with or shelter to hide us from the elements. It's possible. It's possible. So are those, so are those evidences, evidences, are those indicators that, indicators that we have been cut off from God's, from God's love? In other words, can anything outside of us cut us off from God's love? And I, most most often when we hear the words no, that's in a negative context, right? No, Isaac, you can't be hitting your sisters. No, you can't eat five gallons of ice cream. I can't think of a more... More supreme supreme way, way, better way, way, positive way than to hear the words no or the word no than in the context of this. Can can anything outside of us cut us off from God's love? What's the answer? No, No. No. nothing. There's There's nothing in the universe, nothing outside of us gonna ever say, hey, nope, God's love cannot reach you anymore. Guys, Guys, all these great perils of life cannot separate us from God's love. Those seasons of suffering, no matter how intense and pressurizing they may be, they are not signs that God has stopped loving you. They are not evidences that the rushing river of God's love has been cut off or dammed up. Can you imagine how depressing life would be if it were? If suffering, in whatever form that looks like, was a sign that God said, oh, no, nope, I'm done with you. You're not, You're not good enough anymore for me. I don't love you. How depressing that life would be. We wouldn't know what love really is, but it's not how God is. It's not how life is. No, these perils, these forces in the universe do not separate us from Christ's love. So when I say that we have a divine security, this is what I'm talking about. God's security is that his love is unstoppable. Right? whenever you and I get to experience security in the believer's life as a Christian, it is simply because God's love cannot be cut off. It cannot be stopped. There's nothing that can get in the way, nothing that can halt it, right? God's love is radically unstoppable. Paul doesn't just leave it there. It moves into what we're calling the divine triumph. Right? He moves into the divine triumph when he says that when it comes to all these things, All these these things things that he just listed, these massive perils, perils, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. All of these these things, what are are we? We We are are more more than conquerors. conquerors. We are more more than conquerors. conquerors. When it comes to these things, no, in all all these things, we are more more than conquerors through Christ Christ Jesus who loved us on the cross. cross. So those those perils perils in life, They do not not defeat defeat us. They cannot defeat us. They cannot cannot stand against us. us. We enter into those seasons in life already already with victory victory in hand. When distress distress comes upon us, nope, victory. victory. When we are are persecuted, persecuted, nope, we've already won. When we have have no food, no shelter, no clothing, nope, nope, we have victory in Christ Christ Jesus. They do, they do not, not defeat, defeat us. They we can enter into those seasons with victory already won. They can't, they can't overcome, overcome us. us. It, says it says actually that we overcome them. them. We, we conquer, conquer them through life. Christ. And Paul, now, Paul doesn't just simply say that we are conquerors. What does he say? We are, we are more, more than conquerors, than conquerors. right? right? <laughs> now, if you, <laughs> now, if you <laughs> read that literally, you're... How, can how how can you, can you more do than more than win, than win? <laughs> what's, what's what's above like that like what's beyond that if I've if got, got victory, victory what's more than, more than, than, than victory I'm more than, 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 than a conqueror, than than conqueror than I'm more than conquerors we are, we are. more, more? Does he something does mean, something weird in the Greek problem. he adds he on the the, the prefix that's hyper conqueror that's not a good superhero name we are super conquerors I mean we'll take it we are, we are more than, more than conquerors. But what does that even mean?
1: How can, how can you
0: do more than conquer? conquer? Well, here's, here's the way that I can explain best explain it. it. When, when, when when we conquer, conquer in, Christ, in Christ, our tribulations, our, our distresses, our persecutions our, dangers, our persecutions, our dangers, so on and so forth, lie dead at our feet. They've been, they've been conquered. conquered. But when but we, are we are more than conquerors, those, those things get up, get up and serve us for our good. Do you understand? Are you tracking with me there? When we're just just conquerors, they lie dead at the feet. When we're more than conquerors, they get up and they serve us for our good. So not only are these life's great perils defeated and dead at our feet, they don't have power over us or over God's love for us. Not only, Not only that, they but they are made, made to get up and benefit us for our good. This is exactly what we're, we're seeing in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Just a few verses before this, he says that we know that for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. More than conquerors. So what these great great perils perils aim for evil, God works for the good good of us. (laughs) That we we may be made to look like Jesus. I mean, if you look at Paul's life, right? The guy guy who wrote wrote that verse, inspired inspired by the Holy Spirit, Spirit, he experienced experienced persecution. persecution. Like, like no other, and came, and came out, out the other side, still loved by God and looking more like Jesus, right? He experienced nakedness, and he came out the other side, still loved by God and looking more like Jesus. Like Jesus. Cause, Cause this, this is, word is, word is word what it means to be more, more than, conquerors than conquerors because Jesus conquered, conquered everything. everything. So this is like the divine triumph, right? This is the victory, that God has won for us. God's love is all conquering. It's not just unstoppable so that if something gets in the way, it just plows right through it. But whatever enemy comes against, he totally decimates it and repurposes it for our good. God's love is all conquering. And guys, if, if we're not yet still convinced, if we aren't yet persuaded that nothing can cut us off from God's love or nothing can separate us from God's love, Paul makes the list even longer. He's like, ha, you thought I was done. Watch this. I've got got 10 more things that I'm going to add in pairs that cannot separate us from the love of God. Verse 38, for I am convinced, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, Guys, I believe here that Paul is addressing everything that you and I might be prone to fear Cuts us off off from God's love. Think about about it. Try to to name some some fear that you might have of something in the world that might cut you off from God's love and And see see if it doesn't fit in this category. category. See if if it doesn't fit in any of these. Try to come up up with one. Think of it. Are you scared scared of heights? heights? You think think going up too high on a mountain or on a skyscraper is going to cut you off from God's love? Nope. Heights. It's there. It's there. What about bugs? bugs? Spiders? Spiders. Nope, that's a a created thing. It's not cutting you off from God's love. Or any Any other created created thing, thing, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No fear you have, have. the object object of your fear, that fear itself cannot cut you off from God's love. Because Because we've talked about about it before, the greatest love can eliminate the the greatest fear. The greatest greatest love that we experience in God can eliminate the greatest fear that plagues our souls. Now we're going to to talk talk more about this concept in our Advent series because we're going to be going through a series called Fear Not. And you'll learn more about that there. But the greatest love can eliminate the greatest fear. So do you fear death itself? We We don't have to because God loves us. We are more than conquerors of death. In Christ Jesus. So when when death comes knocking at your door, it is is no longer fearsome fearsome anymore because of God's love for us. It is simply on a leash. It's completely under the crown and authority of King Jesus. And so Truman mentioned it earlier in our gathering. One of our sisters in Christ, Lori Clark, went home to be with Jesus yesterday morning. If you didn't know know her, she usually sits over here. She had a lot of physical ailments that kept her from doing a lot of things in life for a really long time. I got the text yesterday morning from Kirk Fuller. Our leadership team here got the text. Kirk Fuller had been, he's one of our CMCs. He had been going over there every week, sometimes even twice a week to pray over her. I would join him often and we'd pray over her that God would heal her. We'd follow the scripture and anoint her head with oil, asking that God would radically heal her. And then we find out. Does that mean that God didn't love Lori? Come on, church. Does that mean that God didn't love Lori? No. No, in fact... She has experienced, through death, the fullest healing that we would ever be able to get to experience in life. Death has simply become just a doorway for God to bring us into his faithful love for eternity. So Lori Clark is now standing in the full light and heat of God's love for the rest of eternity. So does death cut us off? No, it actually welcomes us in even more. All the king has given death the authority to do is deliver his people safely into his love. What about about angels and demons, right? Right. These supernatural supernatural beings beings that you and I I are convinced exist exist because we have faith. We're convinced convinced of the things that we do not see. These These beings that are much more powerful than us, us, can they they cut us off from God's love? No, No. absolutely Absolutely not. They They can't can't even drive a wedge wedge in between you and God's love. Or, 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 or what about your future? Things, things to come. Things, to things that you're fearing that are, that, are that are going to be happening maybe this week or maybe next year, or maybe years, years down the road. Can anything that, that is to come separate us from the love of God? No. Heights, depths. If you, if you were to go to, go to the, the lowest part, part of the ocean and be stranded on, there, on, on your own, on your own Have you been cut off from God's love? No. No. And then as this final catch-all, he says, anything else in all creation, every created thing that exists or has existed or will come to exist in the future, can any of those things separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? What's the answer, church? No. Why? Why? Because God's love for us is totally secured and grounded in Christ. and He has made us more than conquerors. As Jesus is the conduit through which all of God's love flows to us. So as long as you and I, by faith, are united to Jesus, we are forever the beneficiaries and recipients of this love. And nothing in the universe can change that. Now, what I'm about to ask you is probably a really tough question for us to grasp. It sounds harsh, but I don't think I would want it any other way. Listen to what I'm about to tell you or ask you. Can you see that God's love is the most violent force in the universe? Would you want it to be nice when it comes to your enemies? When it comes comes to those things 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 that that would seek to destroy you, would you want God's love to be playful and fun? No, anything that gets in the way of God's love is totally decimated. God's love is the most violent force in the universe. And I'm not saying that as if it's evil. I'm saying that it is unstoppably all conquering powerful. And I wouldn't want that any other way. Would you? When I want God's love, If I want to define it in some way, I don't want want it to to just be kind and nice and I don't want it to give me everything that I want because I want some stupid things. I want it to be be so unstoppable that not even I or anything else in the universe could ever cut it off. Nothing can stop this love. No one can overcome this love. No force can pull you out from the waterfall of God's love. Guys, I am telling you, and I will tell you always and forever. God's love for you is unstoppably all conquering. So a few weeks back, um, Jen Colvin actually shared a, a Bible study Wednesday video. I don't know. I hope you guys have been tuning into the videos that we post on Wednesdays and Fridays, just for the midweek encouragement and building up, because we know small groups. Uh, some of them have stopped. Some of them have continued. Um, but we're trying to continue to encourage you in your word and encourage you in worship. And, and Jen Colvin shared on a Wednesday a few weeks ago, uh, basically an illustration about sun and the clouds, right? Where where how the how the clouds kind of get in the way of the sun. But it, but it doesn't stop the sun from shining. And so, and so when the clouds get in the way, like like on today, if you were to look out there, you would not probably be able to see the object of the sun itself, correct? But can't you see its light outside? Does that mean God's love has been cut off fully? Do clouds cut off the sun? No, we can still see light. In the same way, though these massive perils in life might seem to cloud God's love for you, you can still see the light around you. You can still see God's love, not in just what you know, but what you've experienced. In the past and even now. I, I don't know anything more that I could tell you about that would excite our hearts to more than this. That would overwhelm us with an unstoppable joy. I was like, isn't isn't this amazing? Is this this literally is the best news. When you think of good news, there's nothing better than this. There's nothing, there's nothing better than in Christ. God loves you, he is for you, and nothing in the entire universe, nothing within you, nothing, no, no force could ever cut you off. Nothing could ever change that. So I'm asking you again and again, are you persuaded of this? Are you convinced of this? I can't convince you of this. I can only tell you about it. I can only tell you about it, but God's spirit has to connect with your soul and he has to convince you that this is true. And when when you're finally persuaded of this, then you will experience the kind of joy and kindness and generosity that Christ himself demonstrated. You will bear the fruit of the spirit when you are absolutely persuaded of this truth in your heart, not just up here. Are you persuaded of this? Does... Does your soul believe God loves you? Can't you see the light of his love for you? How he is for you? Can anything change God's mind? No. If he could have his mind changed, he would not be God. So he didn't make a mistake when he said, I love you. He's not going to change his mind about that. Can anything in the universe cut you off from God's love? No. Why? Because God's love for you is lavish, beneficent, justifying, interceding, and unstoppably all-conquering. That's how God has described his love for you. For those of you who are not yet persuaded that God is for you, he loves you, don't leave today thinking that you have to live in the confusion of a promise that he's already offered through the gospel. It's not that he's messed up in some way if you're not persuaded of this. There's something that you're wrestling with, something that you're still believing that convinces your heart that this yet is not true. And you don't have to stand the rest of your life in that confusion. The gospel has made it clear God loves you. So don't leave today thinking that you have to stay that way. You can come and meet with me. You can come and talk with some of our leaders. We'd love to walk with you and encourage your heart in these promises. We want, we want to come and sit at the foot of the cross with you where you will experience God's insurmountable love. So don't leave today thinking that you you have to stay confused or unpersuaded or skeptical. Guys, when we come to the cross, we're going to see literally Jesus' arms open wide in his love. So church, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we... We're experiencing fresh renewals of the love that we once heard about and were attracted to and may have grown cold to yet again through commonplace uh, trials and misunderstandings and, and experiences that might be used by Satan to convince us otherwise. God, I thank you for how your word always falls fresh on the weary soul. And I praise you that that when you said, you said you loved us, you didn't just mean it, you showed it. God, if in your love, you were willing to subject your own son to the cross, if you were willing to yet endure that and face that, what else could get in the way? I pray for each of us here that, that we would be convinced in our souls of your love for us because of how you exist and that we would see the fruit of rightly grasping your love born out in our lives. God, would you teach us how to stand under the waterfall of your love? and be washed in it and cleansed so that every fear would be washed away. Because we know that there's nothing in this universe, even within me, that could change your mind about loving us. God, would you persuade us of this time and time again, even for those who are in affliction, those who, who are in tribulation, those who are in distress, those who have a hard time putting food on the table, those who are experiencing persecution for their faith. God, I pray that you would yet again convince them of your love for them because those things have not cut them off. In fact, you are using them for your good because of your love. Persuade us yet again, God. I pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Church, let's stand together. As you're standing, I want to wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving, even if it means that you don't get to see family, even if it means that some family's just unwilling to come and be with you, no matter how it may look, may your Thanksgiving be happy, may your hearts be warm and your bellies full. That's not the benediction prayer, though. Let me pray for you guys. May the Lord bless you all and keep you in his radical love. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up the countenance upon his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever because he loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.